Hey there, Simpsons fans. Are you curious what this is doing in your free feed? Well, it's an episode of What a Cartoon, where me and Bob go through a different cartoon each week. And if you've never listened to it before, we think this is a great first episode to check out. This is me and Bob going through the third episode of Disenchantment. If you've been watching Disenchantment on Netflix, the new show for Mac Rating, Josh Weinstein, Bill Oakley, and pretty much all your favorite Simpsons writers from season seven and eight, you can hear our thoughts on the third episode and the overall course of the series right here in this What A Cartoon podcast. And if you like it, be sure to check out the rest of the What A Cartoon shows either on their own free feed or if you sign up at the Patreon for $5 a month, you'll get access to that a week ahead of time and ad-free just like all the Simpsons episodes you get a week ahead of time and ad-free and tons of other extras. So without further ado, here's Disenchantment, the What A Cartoon podcast. in the past every week will be an animated bash what a cartoon what a cartoon maybe a short but mostly shops we'll talk we'll analyze exploring as we go what a cartoon what a cartoon what a cartoon what a cartoon Hello, everybody, and welcome to What a Cartoon, where we talk all good and stuff. I'm your host, Snake Root Addict Bob Mackey, and this is an audio exploration of every cartoon ever who is here with me today. I'm Henry Gilbert, and I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> Let's do it, but don't say it out loud again. It's one of my favorite lines, and today's episode is the disenchantment episode, The Princess of Darkness. I'm actually a more way careful driver when I'm drunk. I assume that is because I never... I've never driven before. <laughs> this episode aired the same day all of them aired because TV is weird now. August <laughs> yes. 17th, 2018. And yes, we're doing Disenchantment. And this is the first time we've done a cartoon before it actually premiered. Yes, we. you're hearing this after it's out. So right. hopefully you've binged it all on Netflix. But we're recording this a little before. And so we actually haven't even seen the last five episodes of the season. But I think this was our favorite of the first five. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were going to do the first episode. But then after we recorded the Disenchantment, review cast which is on the patreon and i believe also on the free feed mm-hmm. we were like uh let's not do that let's do another one that's not as you know story heavy mm-hmm. or like lore heavy yeah lore heavy yeah. there's there's a lot of uh, obviously in the pilot there's a lot of world building and then the second episode is basically part two of the pilot it's more like an hour-long first episode so episode three this one is where they kind of more settle into the groove of what the show is and who the main characters are and it's really about getting to lounge around in the world they've built at last it it reminds me a lot of like the third episode of Futurama as well because the first two episodes of that really set up the world and then the third one is that's when Fry and Bender move in together now they can play in the world so we normally do historical info at the top of the show is there any history to speak of yet? I actually have quite a bit. Oh my Uh, lord Okay, uh, surprise me. But also I'm going back over some stuff that our Talking Simpsons listeners probably no, because the, uh, this is 
is a very connected show to The Simpsons. And Talking Futurama <laughs> listeners, too. Yes. Especially those guys. And uh, I should also say this is our first What a Cartoon where it's just me and Bob, so no other guests because no one else has seen it yet. That's right. They're not allowed to. <laughs> yeah, legally we can't. Netflix will get mad if me and Bob shared it with anyone else. Uh, but okay, so 1977. Whoa, what the hell? <laughs> uh, just as folks were enjoying Star Wars, a young man named Matt Groening started a weekly comic strip called Life in Hell, and about a decade after that, he was approached to make cartoons based on it by James L. Brooks, but instead pitched some show about a family of yellow weirdos called The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. That then graduated into its own show, which I'm sure you've heard of, and meanwhile, two comedy writers were the biggest Simpsons nerds in pro comedy writing, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, who then got hired to on staff for The Simpsons in Seasons 4 and showrun the show for Seasons 7 and 8. Around the same time in Seasons 7 and 8, Matt Groening started working on a brand new show with writer David X. Cohen called Futurama, which instead of being a family-driven modern times thing, would take observational stuff about today's life, but abstract it in a crazy way through the tropes of in this case, science fiction. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. And that would be the show Futurama, which would premiere in 1999, right ahead of the millennium. And Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, who by the that time had left The Simpsons, actually were consulting producers on the first years of Futurama. That was sort of a one-day-a-week deal like yeah. Mike Reese has with The Simpsons now? Yeah, yeah, just kind of like guiding things. And actually, not to skip ahead too much, <laughs> but on De Disenchantment, Bill Oakley had said that it's kind of a reverse situation where David X. Cohen is now sitting in on their show to help him out instead of them being the mentors for him. So it's, and it's interesting. I believe he's just Skyping in to work on Disenchantment, which is awesome. Bill Oakley, yeah. Yeah, not living Portland. in L.A. I mean, I love visiting L.A. That was great, <laughs> but boy, not driving. I wonder how much he's having to fly down, though, These uh, in at this time as it's about to launch. That's an easy flight to do. Uh, uh, but after launching Mission Hill around the same time as Futurama and then working on several other shows, Josh Weinstein and Bill Oakley professionally separated. Da, 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 Gasp. Uh, so that Weinstein could work on Mitch Hurwitz's animated series, Sit down, shut up, which lasted for six episodes and Fox didn't do shit with. That really broke my heart when they split up. I mm. thought it was on bad terms. Thankfully, it wasn't. <laughs> They're still friendly. Of course, they work together on this show, but mm. I was like, what? Is it Splitsville for Bill and Josh? <laughs> it was It was sad to see. They actually... Uh, so at the time when everyone was waiting to see if there would be more of Arrested Development during that decade, I would go and learn anything I could about what Mitch Hurwitz was doing. So at the WonderCon convention in San Francisco one year, Mitch Hurwitz was there to talk about Sit Down, Shut Up, and he had with him Arrested Development mainstays like Will Arnett and Henry Winkler, as well as voice actor Keenan Thompson from the show, and Tom Kenny, and then also there was Josh Weinstein, and Hurwitz actually like sort of joke bragged that he had broken them up oh, to no. get Josh to work on his show. Was it some sort of contractual thing, I believe? Uh, yes, you know, I don't want to speak too much for our good friends, yeah. Oakley Weinstein, but you know, when you're partnered as writers... That's that your entire business is built around that. Basically, you're always hired as a pair and paid as a pair. You're also, in some cases, splitting the pay that a single writer will get because you're partners. So, in that case, I think that they maybe they didn't want to hire two guys, hmm. or they 
talked them down into one person being paid a certain amount, and then the other person didn't want to be paid it. I, I'm not totally sure. But well, they're best pals again. Yeah, they. I, I, I would like to think that they stayed personal friends, even if their professional relationship uh, was a divorce mm-hmm. at that time. And they have been friends since high school. Mm-hmm. Which Since is Baltimore. crazy, yeah. yeah. They have known each other. We we joke about how it's all these Harvard writers that knows, know each other. But these two guys were best bros even before Harvard. Did they make some sort of like anime oath to go into the same college? <laughs> They're like, we'll strive together. We'll both be comedy writers together. That's a manga I haven't seen yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, all of that set up here to January 15th, 2016. It is announced through a press release that Matt Groening has signed a deal with Netflix to produce an animated series for the streaming service. Now, this is kind of a big deal that Netflix has been doing for the last few years. Well, I'd say even more like six years ago, they kind of realized licensing is a mugs game. They're paying for stuff that they'll only briefly have the rights to. They need to start paying to make stuff themselves that they'll always have the Mm -hmm. rights to. And they would do that not just with prestige series like House of Cards, but also with animated fun series like BoJack Horseman. And now they, for real, release more than one season of a show per week that they own. They are spending more than they make to produce so much stuff. It's like, how can you afford this? It's it's nuts. I think they're in massive, massive debt. Yeah, but... Even though everyone has Netflix. For what point? And it's also like they're... But they're spending up because now they're seeing, say, Disney has said, well, why are we licensing this to Netflix and then they get the subscribers? We should just have the Disney service and people sign up for that. I will if they have bonkers. If they make bonkers <laughs> they available might. to the public again, I'll do it just for the novelty value. <laughs> and, and that's the future, guys. You can maybe cut the cord on cable, but you'll still have to pay per channel, basically, in <laughs> the is, future. I mean, I have like, what, five? streaming networks I subscribe to now so yeah I think I'm at that too let's see Hulu Prime Now Netflix Crunchyroll and Verve is kind of with Crunchyroll it's mm. like my Verve subscription through that and oh yeah and sporadically though no I had stopped that I don't pay that anymore I've been getting freebies but the WWE Network so because those guys are evil <laughs> oh wait no the New Japan Network I pay for that too wow that's that's just right now <laughs> There's a new cord now. You cut um, the old cord, now there's a new cord. Uh, it's a wireless cord. It's Wi-Fi. You can't cut that. It's uncuttable. Big deal like getting Matt Groening. That's a kind of signing that with creatives that Netflix is really going for now. They just signed apparently like seven-figure deals or even eight-figure deals with like Shonda Rhimes and the executive producer of Blackish to get shows for them. They're quitting ABC. It's like, you know, we're not making crap for ABC anymore. We'll have a lot more freedom to make this stuff on Netflix and also cut out the middleman. Netflix too is thinking, why are we going to license Blackish or Grey's Anatomy when we can just pay the people who make those shows to make us a new show? Would you say Graining is their biggest get ever? Because I really think he is. Shonda Rhimes, I'd say now is the biggest just because she has a bigger footprint right now but i'm ne- saying bigger than barack obama bigger oh, than yes, letterman yeah, yeah. macaraining i'm not being sarcastic <laughs> i think the creator of the simpsons yes. is making a show for not a broadcast network not a cable network but a streaming service that is a huge deal i think we just sort of just we're so used to all of these streaming shows just like oh another streaming show but he mm. is doing something for netflix it's huge it's I, a huge deal it is a huge deal and then macaraining who has his pick of the litter i think with pitching tv shows he went with netflix over 
our other suitors is is telling yeah. too. I'm going to assume that he can get a meeting with anybody at any time, any network. I think so. Yeah, I would hope so. Uh, so that was the 2016 news that they had just started a deal. And uh, behind the scenes, as actually in our first interview with Bill Oakley, he at the end, when we asked if he had anything to promote, he teased... Well, not now, but you guys are going to see it. You guys are going to really like this. I was like, whoa, what could this be? And it was then revealed on July 25th of 2017, 18 months after it was first announced, (laughs) what the show was. And it is Disenchantment, which is taking the kind of Futurama concept, but doing it for Game of Thrones-style medieval fantasy. And that's when it was revealed that Josh Weinstein co-developed the show with Graining, which means he also co-wrote the pilot with Graining, and that many classic Simpsons and Futurama writers were on the staff, which was a huge... Like, I was excited enough, I'd watch whatever Matt Graining was making on Netflix, but Graining was really smart to get all these Simpsons vets on it as well. Especially, and I think we brought it up in the review cast, uh, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein don't seem to be invited back to the Simpsons Fun Club as much as other old writers. And I'm not yes. I'm not spinning any conspiracy theories, but it is sort of suspicious. I, I don't know why. They, yeah. they seem like great guys, and they are clearly great writers, but it's great that Matt Groening, there's no bad blood between them and Matt Groening, obviously. Seemingly not. Yeah. He wouldn't hire him if there was. It's Al Jean's our enemy. That's what <laughs> no. I'm saying. No, no, I, Al Jean, we want, we want to interview yeah, you. Yeah, no. I, you know, <laughs> this is just guessing from the outside, but it is. it was always, you know, interesting to me that you'd see on the Simpsons movie that all the previous showrunners were invited except for Bill and Josh and maybe they were busy with other stuff who knows yeah it's but, possible but, uh, but they weren't really invited back like some other writers were so even Merkin was working he, on the movie uh-huh oh no he was he was deep into it uh, so it was really cool to hear though that Josh Weinstein since he was uncoupled from Bill Oakley he's kind of they're not co-credited on it but Bill Oakley is still working on the show even though he has left Left LA and is working out of Portland where he lives and eats burgers now. I love Bill Oakley's food reviews. They're so they're adorable. (laughs) (laughs) And so along with the on the July 25th announcement, it was said that the show is greenlit for 20 episodes, really meaning it's two seasons at once. So we're getting 10 episodes this year, 10 episodes next year, and then we'll see where they go from there. 20 episodes is also that's a bigger than normal order for a Netflix season of something. And we have not seen the last five in this first season i don't know if there will be a cliffhanger i assume there will be that's netflix sro yeah Yeah. and they're sort of like there's a few breadcrumbs in the first five like who are the mysterious figures that are watching lucy and things like that but i'm not seeing a direct through line quite yet Mm -hmm. as where we are in the series it's there's more breadcrumbs though thrown outs than even futurama had like though that's kind of the graduation things like simpsons has no overarching narrative it's the sitcom starring a family then with futurama you watch that when we watch Watch the pilot again for our Patreon thing. It was it was telling like, oh, there's the setup of Leela's family, but now yeah. we know all the answers to this stuff. In retrospect, it's going to be fun to see like, oh, there's a shadow of something in this first episode. Oh, <laughs> oh, that character in the background there is very important later. Like, oh, that's who that was. Like, I assume like they're they're mega nerds, and I assume they're cramming all these episodes with little tidbits that we'll we'll realize later. Yeah, I think so too. I spotted a few in this next newest viewing of episode three. I spotted a few things like, hmm, is that set up that this character looks too specific? Mm -hmm. to just be drawn into the background. On top of Oakley and Weinstein, there are many other Simpsons veterans on there, including David Cohen, 
Patrick Verone, Reed Harrison, and Wes Archer, who directed this episode of the cartoon. Who he is like he is one of the original Simpsons animators, along with David <laughs> Silverpin. He's got to make seventy more episodes of Rick and Morty. What's he doing? <laughs> What's he doing on In this show? In that long break of Rick and Morty, he yeah. was able to uh, direct one episode of this. I guess. I assume this is like a post-season three production Rick and Morty. He was working on Disenchantment. I think the timeline would fit with that because the show ended last year yeah. or the last episode aired last year so i could see him being done with it at that point and not to mention too that they are working with the same production company rough draft as futurama meaning peter Evanzino and scott vanzo though there are also some new faces in this it's not just all simpsons reruns <laughs> uh but there's comedian rich fulcher who is also a voice actor on the show and he wrote this episode yeah yeah i surprised me upon looking at the credits again i'm like oh he's a writer too i mean i know he's a writer but he's a writer on the show rich vulture is so funny to me he is such a crazy goofball i don't know if you've seen the show the mighty boosh i have i want to revisit it it's been a long time he was the american on that show for viewers if you wonder like hey why is there an american guy talking here i think that's why he's so good at british accents in this show too though i think so and he is like dana snyder who plays master shake and that his (laughs) voice is just naturally funny so he can say anything and i'll laugh yeah yeah and uh, and then also on the acting slash writer side there's jenny batten who along with her writing partner am dixon another good 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 girl oh they uh, let those on shows now <laughs> yes they're they're a writing team on the show and jenny batten also does some voices and another woman on the staff is shion takeuchi who comes to them via gravity falls a series i really enjoyed and then last uh lastly i think writing rounding out the writing staff is eric horstead also futurama fame Mm -hmm. and i should mention too we talked to reed harrison about well he really couldn't say anything about the show but we did do an interview with him on the patreon one of our first and i think i spotted patrick verone uh, in there as well and he's like as we learned from talking futurama he's like a superman he really is he's he's done it all (laughs) he's uh, and and he's making time for this show so it's quite a strong lineup on it and i'm though i'm glad too that they found room for folks like new folks like fulcher batten and dixon as Mm -hmm. well on the writing staff and then also speaking of returning favorites the voice cast on this i mean we talked a bit about it on the review cast but in case you didn't hear that there's returning favorites like billy west john dimaggio tress mcneil maurice lamarge all big futurama voices dave herman too dave herman's there too yeah they're all and you when you hear them you're like Oh, that's funny. That's I, I know that voice. And it's it's also funny that they are kind of the none of them are the lead roles, the lead three. They're all the supporting cast. Yeah. So it's just like, well, what do we have the supporting cast? Oh, that's all the Futurama people. They're, <laughs> we're still keeping them employed regularly. Unlike Futurama, the show is not 80% Billy West voices, which is great. It's great. But <laughs> it's, really it's good to have a different up. kind of vocal tone to everything. Yeah. And that's in the case of the leads who I think are cast very well. The They're perfect. Leads. You've got Abby Jacobson as Princess Bean. Nat Faxon as Elfo and Eric Andre as Lucy the Demon. I didn't really know who Nat Faxon was, but apparently uh, he is an Oscar award-winning uh, screenwriter with uh, Jim Rash. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny now that the Jim Rash, the Dean from Community, <laughs> he was starring in everything. Uh, after Community, he was like the more famous one, but then they became like big time writers and they, they won the Oscar from the George Clooney film, The Descendants. Uh, but Nat also has been an actor on sitcoms as well. And he has such a great, all three of them have such a great specific voice that they also can't. We talked about that on Futurama too. You said how when they cast Billy West and John DiMaggio, they, they know that they're going to do 80 voices. In the cases of Abby and Nat, especially, they are so specific. They're not 
doing other voices, or it'd be pretty rare that they do, kind of like Yardley Smith on The Simpsons. Right. I only caught one other Eric Andre voice yes. in this episode. Now, Eric Andre is a semi-regular as the eye-patched guardman. Right, right. That's the only, he's the only guy doubling up on there, as far as I can tell, unless Nat is really, Nat and Abby have some really, like, specific second voices they can do. Mm-hmm. But Abby is so much fun, like, she is, a, a, she brings so much, like, youth and energy to Bean and her it's a different character from the kind of like uptight neurotic character Abby plays on Broad City it's very true and I don't know if they record together and I'm guessing they don't because nobody does anymore but <laughs> there are a few scenes in this where it does sound like they are together like when they're having a little talk inside of her shirt yeah and like they sound like they're all in the same room and they're just bouncing things off of each other I don't know if that was improv with the show with all of these writers I really doubt it was but it feels so natural I, I'm hoping it, it really it was meant to feel like improv but it was written then really great acting on their part there too but abby nat and eric andre all have a background in improv right. they, are, they are all ucb trained improviser comedians and writers they've all are professional writers too so i would hope they give them that kind of leeway to improv even though we're, it's famous like simpsons futurama are also very heavily written though you know i say that but they give dan castellanetta or Harry Shearer tons of space yeah improvise. and i take that back partially by the way because i remember bill oakley told us uh who wrote what when we when he found out that we saw the episodes we were asking him like oh who did this line who did that line uh-huh. and he was like looping in josh but apparently one of my favorite lines in this episode it's a very long rant uh he said that abby <laughs> threw in some of her own ad libs too so yeah. i guess i guess they did have a hand in crafting the characters as well Oh, and there's also some really good guest voices that we've heard in in the episodes we've seen. My uh, favorite is Matt Barry. That's right. He is so his voice is so amazing. I I loved him in Gareth Marenghi's Dark Place as the uh, the fiance. Of yes, Bean? yeah. yeah. Mm, my tired dawn. He's so so hilarious. He fucks all of those walruses. That's true, and he <laughs> likes it. That's his kink. I hope he comes back. I hope uh, he's a pig. He's a pig, now, but he can come back. They didn't kill that pig. He just sort of yeah. ran away. They killed the other guy. Yeah, that's where we are with the show now. It just premiered. One thing I am a little sad about at the prospect of is that because it's a Netflix show, I wonder if there will ever be audio commentaries for this or a mm. physical release. Some Netflix shows do get physical releases, like the Marvel show. If you want to buy DVDs of Daredevil, you can do that. Like, same with House of Cards, because I think they recognized maybe there are people who want to gift this to their parents who don't know what Netflix is. And they won't open it. Yeah. <laughs> like any gift you give your parents. Yeah, exactly. That band of brothers still sitting on the shelf. Uh, don't tell yeah, tell me about it. But yeah, whenever <laughs> I walk into Target, I see Stranger Things, and I'm like, who would buy this? But also, but actually, I would buy this on DVD or Blu-ray, because Matt Groening, when he did the Simpsons uh, DVDs, he was like, my rule is we do a commentary for every episode, even though he stopped showing up on them yeah that is yeah. the rule he put in place and the same was for futurama as well mm-hmm. so i would hope that that tradition follows through i i hope so too hey uh, crossing our fingers hope netflix lets them do that I, and even the simpsons dvds are no longer on permanent hiatus at least i hope they're not i guess that depends on the sales of the last one you bought it i didn't yeah. i i uh, i need to put my money where my mouth they're is. great episodes season 18 everybody <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah that takes us to where disenchantment is now i think the I really like the feel of those first five episodes. I'm looking forward to seeing more. The the kind of fantasy Futurama thing really works for it. Mm-hmm. I think they there's a lot of really good gags in this that just also remind me of kind of like when we rewatched first season of Futurama. I'm like this joke is interchangeable and could go anywhere. You it was it felt more like it came from early meetings of if we were to do a joke about this in fantasy times. 
Why would we do that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What would a stretch limo in Game of Thrones be? Or in this episode, how would a teenager do all the bad teenage things uh, in the fantasy past? Right. But like I said in the review cast, I was so happy that they did not do the obvious parodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want a really bad example of that, look at the look at the Futurama movie Bender's Game, where it's like. <laughs> Let's have our characters cosplay and go through all of these very obvious parodies. It's all fan service. And I mean, if you're into that, it's fine. But I could go without them battling all of the morks. Oh, God, the morks. Yeah. Uh, speaking of a joke that does not age well. But I do not like yeah. that joke. I didn't like that joke then. It just really brings me down now. <laughs> but it's not that. It's it's way more yeah. inventive. Uh, that's why I did not like the first episode as much, because it was like not really playing with a very, very used trope. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's all super original, super fun stuff. Yeah, no, I, in the first episode where it's all about being running from a wedding that she's forced to have, I mean, that's, that's a very fantasy archetype thing there. And same with the characters are acting more in their archetypes too, instead of really figuring out who they are. Especially, I'm really glad we did this episode because in the first two episodes, Lucy was like my least favorite character. I was like, yeah, not, I love Eric Andre, but he He's not got a lot to do. He's just kind of like a jerk. He, he reminds me of why I didn't like Bender at first mm. when I watched original Futurama because I just saw him as like, he's the smoking swearing guy. He's the bad boy. Who cares? Like, But that's why this episode, they find something more to do with him just like they would with Bender over time too. And also in that first episode, so in uh, with The Simpsons, uh, uh, there were no notes. Granning mm-hmm. said no notes. On Futurama, they were given notes by the network, but they tried to address those notes and they made the network even matter so there were no notes <laughs> on this uh, series there are notes Newgrading says we take notes and they're very helpful uh. so one of the things i feel was very note driven was in that first episode i feel like they were trying too hard to make being likable because in this episode she is who she will be for the rest of the series <laughs> she's very naive but not in, in an elfo way but she's also like very like a crude and like into partying and drinking and, and just being like acting out and stuff like that in the first very episode, selfish too yeah in the first episode they they really want you to identify more with her and make her more sympathetic. So I feel like let's hold off on all that stuff until we get out of this, you know, setup. I think mm-hmm. that's what their what their idea was. The the only reason I'm sad we're not doing the first episode is just because I love all of the Elf World stuff. That's the, the funniest. Those were all my favorite scenes, and actually, in all the first five were the Elf. It scenes. is. They really are the best scenes in that whole uh, setup. Yeah, Elfo is my favorite character on the show too. I think it's funny that people. I get it when you see the design. He is a green. Yeah. Marks in design, but kind of, kind of, kind of. There are only so many faces and bodies you can draw in that style. Yeah, but it's it's more that he is a happy little elf who comes from the land of happy little elves, who's mm-hmm. surrounded by happy people who make candy to then sell to each other for candy. And I don't think we've seen the last of that world either. No, I I would hope not. I would think they had so much fun writing all the returno and levo <laughs> and kissy jokes that, or maybe they they use up all their elf jokes. Maybe be they're like we got to do every elf joke he's leaving here forever but the i think elfo as the innocent who gets beaten up and destroyed by the world but still keeps a smile on his face is always funny to me and it's funny what they're doing too but i'm not into his uh creep his creeping on bean stuff it's still very That's innocent the will they won't they it's it, true I, guess, yeah. I mean they never will but it's i like how it's also very innocent it's not yes. like very sexual or anything like that i mean physically I mean, is it even possible Possible? Does he have probably genitals? not? I like, mean, uh, in this episode, it's clear he likes being in her shirt. Yeah, oh yeah. But it's still.
still fairly innocent. Well, in the second episode, he does try to peep on her as she takes her True. towel off. But it's just curiosity, Henry. Yeah, Elfo, okay. Elfo is pure. How dare you? <laughs> Unlike Lucy, who is literally a demon. That's true. Meant to, is it a thing on Lucifer? Is his full name oh, Lucifer? Now that you mention it, duh. Yeah, of course <laughs> it is. Wow. Uh, and... and Speaking of, like, mysteries they're setting up, whoever Lucy's bosses are, there's some real interest in them, and we get a lot of them in this episode, too. Mm-hmm. But the setup of them in the first two is pretty clever, I like, and as well. By the time this goes live, all of our listeners and us will know the answers to these questions. <laughs> that's, but uh, That's true. I am very curious as to... I'm going to watch the rest of them when they come out on Friday and just figure it all out and see what the next cliffhanger is going to be. But, yeah, I'm excited. So now that we've covered the history, I guess we're going to call it, uh, let's roll into the episode The Princess of Darkness. future in Futurama. You've seen the present in Springfield. So, what's the obvious third move? The past, of course. Welcome to Dreamland. Hear ye, hear ye. Royal Court is now in session. Ah, let's have a look at this no-good pile of scum. Eh, weak chin, buck teeth, and wow! Hi, Dad. Disenchantment, August 17th on Netflix. Twice as funny as Game of Thrones is this week's episode of Disenchantment. It's Henry Gilbert here. Hey, it's Bob, and I hope you're not disenchanted with this episode. (laughs) You better not be. I kind of wish that was the name of it, but... Everyone's getting it wrong. If you look online, everyone's getting the name of the show wrong, and I wonder what that's (laughs) going to do for their SEO. Season two, it's like, oh, it's just called Disenchanted now. Whatever. (laughs) Well, they'd have to get the rights from Disney, That's right. Oh, man. They should have called it something. Well, Disenchantment, it still works. The gag still works. But what's in a name anyway? Uh, but this is What a Cartoon. That's the name of our podcast, a totally original name. Uh, but, ah, right. Uh, but <laughs> we appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you're enjoying our slightly different episode where we're going through a brand new cartoon, not an uh, old thing in, in cartoon history. We're recording it before it's actually live to most of the world. So Before weird. we've seen the rest of season one. That is true, yes. And, uh, and if you're enjoying this, you know that you could listen to next week's episode, right now? Yes, you can listen to the Spider-Man the Animated Series episode The Menace of Mysterio if you are a $5 patron. And not only that, it'll be ad-free as well. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Like Henry said, you get every episode of this podcast a week ahead of time and ad-free. And the same goes for our sister podcast, Talking Simpsons. Yes, in both those cases, we put out the episodes a week early and ad-free and we also have a ton of exclusives on that Patreon. Like, we talk a ton about 
about Futurama in this episode, and we do the entire first season of Futurama exclusively in this same style as Talking Futurama at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. That's right. Uh, I believe 13 episodes of Talking Futurama, 23 episodes of Talking Critic. We went through all of the Critic last year. That feels like it was forever ago, but there are 23 podcast episodes waiting for you. That's like an entire day's worth of podcasts. You could start it as soon as you wake up and then never go to sleep. The (laughs) next day you'll be out of Critic episodes. And you could listen to interviews with writers for Disenchantment, such as Bill Oakley and Reed Harrison. And you can hear about their careers up to this, including Reed Harrison telling us about working on the Pinky and the Brain cartoon. That's right. He was a writer for that as well. And Bill Oakley just serenading us with so many Simpsony secrets. He'll be back, guys. I know yes. he'll be back. I Well, now I just want to ask him about eating burgers on camera. <laughs> I could never eat food. I'm, I'd be so scared of sharing a video of me eating food on camera. He I only think, takes like one bite usually, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, there's one guy I see on, I mean, a lot of the YouTube guys are like this, where he's just eating in his car and he eats the entire thing and it's disgusting. Yes. It's yes. disgusting. <laughs> uh, but you won't see any disgusting stuff like that at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. No, I Only the best exclusive. I will never videotape myself eating anything for you guys. That's that's a high tier <laughs> patron. <laughs> that's uh, though at the $10 tier, you can watch a monthly exclusive video that me and Bob do. In the past, we did the deleted scenes for season one of Futurama, deleted scenes for seasons five, six, and seven of The Simpsons. And we went through every short of The Simpsons that led up to the show. It's true. And all of our exclusive series in the future will be exclusive to the Patreon. We may unlock one more this year. Who knows? It could still happen. And we can only do it with your support. So once more, patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Why don't we now snort up some spider roots and listen to the rest of Disenchantment. Well, so this episode, it starts off with Mark Mothersbaum's really nice theme for the show. It, it's grown on me. At first, I was like, eh, it's a lot of, it reminds me much of Mothersbaum's other type of music. If you don't know him, he's the Devo guy who also has written every song in Rugrats and a million mm-hmm. other songs. I like how raucous it is, though. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like a party. And I also like that the opening, which intros are made to be skipped now. I mean, Netflix literally makes it gives you a button like, hey, skip this. I don't want to watch this. So uh, I like that despite that fact that they give a unique intro every time with specific images teasing what's going to be in this episode over the credits. And you get a writer and director credit? And is, mm-hmm. that, is that all the credits you get at the beginning? Uh, and the executive producer, oh, Graining, yeah, creator, Graining gets of his credit in <laughs> there too. And Graining is credited just like on Futurama. Graining is credit and Simpsons. Graining is the sole creator credit and then developed for the other folks. Less so. money goes to. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he gets some money. It's true. I mean, uh, I think this is a gorgeous show, especially the yes. background art. It's so nice to not have credits clutter up the screen for two yeah, minutes. Yeah, I, I didn't know what that was like. <laughs> I didn't know. It was just so awesome to see each time in the writing credit. That's when I first discovered it. Like, oh, this is David X. Cohen wrote this episode. Wow awesome he wrote an episode of a tv show (laughs) he should just be counting his futurama money (laughs) and same with like seeing wes archer on there him back in the graining saddle was really exciting to see too yeah and uh this episode looks great too (laughs) 
start off with one of those type of grab bag jokes mm-hmm. I talked about. At Four o'clock and all's well, a parody of that and how uh, how annoying that would be at night. And, and he has to clarify what well it means yes. in this instance. He has, he has a very like sociopolitical view <laughs> on it. And and uh, it's followed up by the person like, do you know what time it is? It's 401. <laughs> then we drop in in our three leads. What a naughty night we had. I drank so much, I can't even remember if I drank anything. I might not have. You know it's a great night when we're still up to see the Plague Patrol. Morning, princess. I just got winked at by a corpse shoveler. I don't want this night to ever end. Well then, madame, I have just the thing. May I interest you in a joyride? (laughs) Joyride? Is that like a jolly trolley or a... Fun run or a tingle mingle? Oh, he means that we steal it and that it's a bad idea. If my dad found out, he'd kill me. Oh, boo-hoo. Baby doesn't want to get killed by your daddy. <laughs> I'm a chicken. Hop on, boys. Unless you're chickens. <gasps> I do like uh, they show the bar and the barkeep is sweeping scepters off of the stoop (laughs) into the gutter. I like, yeah, there's great, tons of great visual gags in this and tons of fun assigned gags, too, that that makes it feel like classic Futurama or Simpsons to me. The same kind of structure with sign gags as well. The the, Him calling her chicken is pretty funny and her going to steal the thing while calling her chicken is pretty, is a cute little moment. I mean, Lucy's role in the series that we've seen so far is to make... Bean do bad things yes. and n- I mean knowing that going into this episode again I realized like even in the staging Lucy will be on her shoulder mm-hmm. and telling her to do bad things just it's, whispering yeah. to her <laughs> or just screaming like steal that do this take these drugs like, yeah, actually yeah. no not much whispering I, yeah. I take that back pretty much just shouting at her it's funny how many times uh, you can notice that Elfo is on one side and Lucy yeah. is on the other and it's such a just smart rich dynamic to be like well you have bean as this character and she has two tiny enablers with her (laughs) one telling her to be lame and innocent like elfo and then lucy who actually inspires her actually actually it's more like lucy makes her do stuff and then elfo says i don't know guys and then she does it anyway because no one listens to elfo yes the uh the good part of your conscience is a wiener (laughs) exactly and it also kind of evil too as we'll see later in this (laughs) sometimes i'm watching this and thinking like well in futurama we didn't realize that this one-off character would end up growing into something else so i wonder if corpse shoveler in the fourth season will get his own episode as well he's gonna be like that uh sal guy probably yeah like one of those characters that just keeps popping up scruffy <laughs> or scruffy wow not maybe not that high tier i also let's talk about lucy's design there were moments when i was rewatching and just pausing like wait how does this turn work how does this action work when lucy is always drawn as flat it's just faced one way or the other and if if lucy turns there's no in between on that it's just it flips it's a snap okay i didn't yeah. i didn't even think to do a, like pause through that yeah i just i guess they did it so well that it didn't look off no that's and, and kudos to the animation team at rough draft and all the others on it that they are able to make it work you you said when these images first came out that you're like 
that Lucy especially is such a Matt Groening drawing. It's like ripped right from the pages, and I know that sounds <laughs> redundant because these are all technically Matt Groening drawings, but then other artists clean them up and make them, you know, more applicable to animation. But that is a straight, like, off-the-page, life-in-hell <laughs> Matt Groening design. And I like that Lucy can even point at stuff with his arrow-like tail. Yeah. It's like he does when he points at the carriage to steal. And that somebody does like getting killed by your dad. <laughs> that's, that's a great little tease there. When they go on the run, that's when the... We get to see the what the cops are like in Dreamland with a candlelit siren and them making the and the donkeys constantly braying yeah. is, is so funny. I'm glad they knew when to lay off that. It wasn't constantly throughout the entire scene, but mm. uh, it was played just enough to be funny. I love that they for no reason do things that happen in modern times, such as there is no reason to make a walkie-talkie noise when they yeah. don't exist, and yet they go. I love that. And the, and the chase is fun. Uh, speaking, again, of people that look like they might matter later, the, uh, the group of people crossing the street that stops the line, yeah, they look so specific. I'm like, are these guys showing up again? It's like a procession of movers, and mm-hmm. they're also carrying one guy. Yeah, you know, it seems One it important seems looking important. guy, yeah. yeah. But it's also the tropes of a, tr- of a car chase yes. in this wagon donkey chase. And I'm also glad that when they did the big jump that they resisted using like a Dukes, a direct Dukes of Hazard thing. Yeah, that's more of a family guy choice, but they did mm. do slow-mo, which is always fun in animation. And uh, when they crash, we also get to see uh, Lingonberry. Lady there, Lingonberry. Who please. is related to the Lord Lingonberry who was killed by the elf blood in the second episode. And she does not drown because we see her later okay. in this episode. Oof, so That's good. I think they're like, uh, let's not have Bean kill anyone that's innocent in this series <laughs> to make her more likable so uh, they let lady lingonberry live it's tough she kills in the first five episodes she's responsible for some deaths of i mean not exactly completely innocent people but people who are not trying to kill her not, not innocent enough <laughs> <laughs> that's it's a good gag in the fifth episode where she says like i've never killed anybody before they're like <laughs> and the uh i'm drowning i'm elfo that's it's a cute little exchange it's a good smash cut to the title card <laughs> yes yeah that's it makes it even funnier there and so then they are sneaking back into the castle and that's where we get another hilarious elfo i'll never not laugh when bad things happen to elfo even when it's so obvious a bad thing is about to happen <laughs> to him if anyone asks just be honest and say she was alive when we ran away some might say her cries for help were a cry for help but I think she was just being an attention whore. <laughs> oh, no! We're locked out! Okay, remember, the trick to not getting swept over the waterfall is swimming upstream. Got it. Now, what's swimming? <laughs> okay, Elfo, you can do anything if you believe in yourself. Ah! <laughs> It was so nice of that swarm of crabs to drag me ashore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we find out Lucy is eating the shells and throwing yeah, away the meat. Not the meat. He, yeah. he just, Lucy eats garbage. That's his th- I like that that implies, too, that Elfo, since he can't swim, was obviously going to drown. And the only reason he didn't drown is because crabs were tearing him apart <laughs> to pull him to shore to eat him. He's covered in wounds. But again, they're playing with the tropes of... How would a teenager act out in this past fantasy world? So she stays out too late with that horse donkey chase. Yeah. And she's also also locked out of the house because she's the, she gets there way too late. So mm-hmm. she's 
got to find another way in. Instead of sneaking in a window, she has to swim through a moat. That's the first time somebody has fallen off of that conspicuous waterfall that's in the show. I have a feeling a lot that's going to happen a few more times. You see it a lot. And one thing that made me angry, angry, I say, <laughs> is that in the promos for the for the show, they used this scene, but they didn't have Elfo go, what's swimming? Yes. They just had him say, you can do anything if you believe in yourself. And then he goes over the edge like, you need that what's swimming thing to make it funny. Yeah. Otherwise, it, it's just a character getting hurt. It's, you know, as somebody who watches fewer promotional things these days, it does stick out to me when I see it before seeing it in context. And it it reminds me of, it lessened my enjoyment of the first episodes of Futurama because oh, all God, the yeah. jokes were spoiled in the endless commercials that Fox did for it. Uh, Netflix is, I haven't been assaulted with as many commercials. They're for, mainly on uh, Twitter. Uh, that's mm-hmm. where I see them and Facebook. Actually, when I looked up the official ad for Disenchantment on YouTube for this, uh, for prep for this, it then played for me a 15 second ad for uh, Disenchantment before I watched great. the official trailer. I'm seeing double here. <laughs> <laughs> and then they decide that they're going to eat the lemon from the Lemon Crusades which was left over. And they just smash it up they could open it from the top they instead just smash it open and pull it out they uh, bean is a teenage you know that too bart is 10 fry is in his late 20s bean is a teen like a late teen like 19 or something and so she's acting out in different ways as the lead character on this show and once again uh, lucy makes her get the yeah. lemon yep this is when in the f- first time in this episode we get to hear from john dimaggio's lead guy in this oh. z- King Zog. I love him. Have they no respect for the Lemon Crusades? Civilizations were decimated, history rewritten, maps redrawn. To be fair, sire, you were never going to eat it. Yeah, I heard it was sour. I don't care for sour stuff. <laughs> I care about Bean. She's out of control, and I've tried everything. Yelling, screaming, everything. I didn't think all the classy old bats in this family led right to Bean carousing, taking her clothes off every chance she gets. Doing God knows what with that elf. Ay, <laughs> Bean hasn't been the same since she lost her mom. Ah, Dagmar, you are my perfect queen. Regal, kind, talk all good and stuff. <laughs> Not like Reptilicus. Oh, he thinks I am reptile? Ah, oh, I need some snake root to soothe my nerves. The scene just cuts after that. But yeah, I, I really feel like John DiMaggio is channeling someone he knew growing mm-hmm. up in the Bronx or wherever he grew up. It's such a great voice. Reminds me a bit of Mr. Panucci. Yeah. Four plus 20 years. Come on. Yeah. No, uh, actually, he grew up in Boston. Oh, Boston. Okay. DiMaggio. You're right. You're right. Because of baseball arguments. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're very silly baseball arguments. But the, uh, I, but yeah, Zog, I think Zog is even drawn to kind of look like DiMaggio as well. A little bit. He does, again, look like another Matt Groening style drawing that mm-hmm. they didn't change very much. Like you said, the doodly bobber on his yeah, head. Just it's, like Nibbler. Yeah, and but in the, the John DiMaggio features are especially the red mustache uh, and red hair <laughs> and kind of stockier frame, though. John DiMaggio, big red, he is tall. Like he's Zog is short. It's something yeah. I caught for the first time in this. His attendant, yeah, voiced by yeah. Maurice LaMarche there, he normally stands fully tall when he's not around Zog, but when Zog's there, he has to be like 
even more than Mr. Burns hunched over to meet Zog in the eye and not tower I, I over. I think him. it's also like uh, him being obsequious. Ah. <laughs> if I could use another Simpsons word. <laughs> like he, he has to be like at, at the king's level or lower, <laughs> yes, you know. Yes, yeah. And uh, this also was the first time I noticed that the attendants yeah. to him. Oh, yeah. They look just like Akbar and Jeff yeah, from Life in Hell. I was thinking the same thing, yeah. And they don't linger on them to, for too long. You can just barely see them trailing behind the king holding his uh, train or cape or whatever you want to call that, I guess. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to be like the like the owls in Futurama. Not mm. commented on for a while, but they're, they're there. They're right there, Akbar and Jeff. Season three, they get their own episode. <laughs> and just Zog. Zog is so funny just he, that he sounds... I saw one reviewer put it this way. I, for, forgive me, I forgot. But he, he sounds like a Mets fan who became <laughs> a uh, the king of this country, of Dreamland. And just when he's like, talk all good and stuff. It's oh, dang. It's a great, hilarious choice to have a king talk like this. And I love it. In fact, one of my favorite lines comes from this episode. And it's all... I, I mean, the joke is funny, but the delivery uh, that he does is so great. We'll get and, to it. And uh, it's also... He's so mean to his second wife, calling her Reptilicus. Yeah. But that's some more... I want to know this. This is what's hooking me. I want to know this story. Not only what happened to Queen Dagmar, Bean's mom, but also why did he marry Reptilicus? That's not her name, but the the new queen. And uh, Trance McNeil plays her so funny as with kind of a Natasha type voice from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah, and I want to say this is not what they're going for explicitly, but I, I do get a real Ivanka Ivanka vibe from her. Yeah, like yep. The yep, the yep, bored yep. sort of kept woman who resents her rich asshole husband with a fail son yeah. around them too. Yeah. Just, he think I am a reptile, <laughs> and also she's supposed to feel foreign in the way that Melania Trump yeah. does as well. Yes, I I hate even thinking about that person, but I bet that's correct. I <laughs> uh, so yeah, she does her drugs and. And I just love her screaming. Her screaming is so great. Same with same with when you hear Tress McNeil screaming again when they decide to steal some drugs. Ah, you use your curtains to escape one time and your dad's all like, no more curtains. You know, if you don't sleep for 72 hours, you become clinically insane. So wakey, ah! wakey, nutbag. <laughs> Fine, but I'll need a little something to put the edge on. Oh, did she have a friend like me? Nope, she has no friends. She has nothing in her life except a drug that makes her happy. Now let's go steal it. Stealing from my stepmother's purse. Is that who I really am? It's exactly who you are. You're also the type to steal enough for your friends. Again, stealing from your uh, parents' purse, another bad teenage thing. Yeah. They're bringing back to old-timey times. Oh, you're so right. This is it's so relatable, even though she's a princess above everybody else. And this is also the funny... This is the bathing area we saw in a previous episode where it's set up that, like, it's just communal bathing. Like, no, you just bathe together. The genders bathe together. It's very open-minded in that way. Mm-hmm. And the way she slithers into the pool, too, is really H- funny. Hiding all of her nudity. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what's going on? 
going on she has with Reptilicus. Qu- I know. Clearly she can, well, I think she can make a baby with the John DiMaggio, though. I get a real feel. So, Bob, I don't know if you have ever seen Game of Thrones. I've, I've watched a little bit. I haven't. This show wouldn't de- have probably gotten greenlit if Game of Thrones didn't exist. I think they'd You're make right. it without Game of Thrones, but... I also get a feel with the queen, the fail son, and Zog. It's very much Robert Baratheon, Cersei, and her son, Joffrey. Though I'm hoping Reptilicus is not fucking her son in this case. You said Joffrey. I just thought of Strangers to the Candy. Yes. No, no. Not (laughs) not the wonderful Joffrey jelly neck. But, uh, God, let's do Strangers to the Candy on here. It has a cartoon intro. It's it's actually a cartoon. It is. is. It's just a very well animated one. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say, because I don't watch Game of Thrones and know nothing about it, I'm glad they didn't do a Game of Thrones parody, but watch episode six be called like Lame of Thrones. And yeah. then it will be everything Bob Mackie does not understand. But I don't I don't think they'll do that. I swear. I don't think they'll I, do that. I don't think they want to get that specific with stuff. And especially you can't get specific with pop culture references as much anymore because there's no monoculture anymore. It's true. It's you, all just kind of dead. You gotta pay for those thrones, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we also get a cutaway to Lucy's unnamed controllers. And this is the first time I could see I noticed the establishing shot of where they live which is kind of like british egypt a hmm. bit and one of them is rich fulcher yes i mean they just draw him to be rich fulcher. <laughs> that is very true yeah it's he can be that character in live action and i really like jerry they're uh they're kind of python-esque attendant of like you never tell me the, pe- hey. the peacocks don't like him yeah <laughs> or he sounds like in warcraft the uh you soil oh sure. like the peasants yeah, yeah the, the people who t- do your bidding lower class <laughs> accents <laughs> yes uh, and okay so this might be line of the episode here well with a future zog one but them getting high is pretty great but first uh it's it's a weird drug and that it is uh first it starts as lsd and then it becomes cocaine that's <laughs> yeah, what the effects true. are yeah you gotta you gotta crush it up and take it it's hallucinogenic and then an upper right yeah yeah that's what it seems like i don't know i'm not really feeling anything me either me either (laughs) me either what's happening wow my god you guys we should start a band <laughs> yes, we sound amazing. We'll fix up an old carriage and tour the country playing what we want to play. Never selling out. Never splitting up. Alpha, you're out of the band. What the hell? We're a duo now. The fans didn't even notice. Lucy, you fell off a balcony or were you pushed? We'll never find out. <laughs> Dreams come true because I am a solo act now. The fans love my voice. I have dreadlocks, but then I shave my head like a true artist. Why is the crowd booing? Oh no, I'm the talentless one. Elvo, you came back. Lucy, I thought I pushed you. I mean, we're together again. Let's get out there. We're back on top. Nothing can stop us now. Oh no, I have cancer. What? I dedicate this next song to the memory of Bean. (laughs) There's so much going on. I love how it starts with their uh, unrhythmic clapping and they're just staring off into space and like clapping their hands. That's why she thinks they should start a band. Also, the really amazing, I call this a real Futurama joke in terms of how the the uh, sentences take a sharp turn. It's like, never splitting up. Elfo, you're out of the band. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, or maybe you were pushed. Who knows? Elf, uh, Lucy, I thought I killed you. No, we're back together. Yeah. But I love when characters immediately contradict themselves. That is such that is such a Futurama thing. It's yes. so great. Yeah. I uh, Also, 
it, it only took three episodes for a drug trip. It was the, like the ninth episode of Futurama before they had a drug That's trip. That's right. So, when he got high, he was jacking on. He was jacking yeah. on, yeah. And, but in this case, the I love the me either, me, me either, me either. And I can't, I don't think the drugs have any effect on Lucy. I think nothing has an effect on Lucy because, thanks to him being a demon from hell. He's just into the clapping. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, who wouldn't be? It's so much fun. But but just, uh, I especially, I also love how Abby says, or Bean says, I, and I shave my head like a true artist. <laughs> like, that's a true artist, shave their head. Shave off your dreadlocks. Yeah. Uh, and then we get a uh, the bender scene. I, I don't, I, a capital, lowercase b bender scene. It's a montage, right? Yeah. All the things they do on their trip. They, Elfo fights a cock. Yes. Uh, they steal armor and they go on a parade. And one of the suits of armor has Elfo and Lucy both in it, stacked mm-hmm. on top of each other. And, and uh, with Elfo coming out of the cock piece. That's right. Cod piece. Cod piece. No, uh, and then uh, she shoplifts from 7-Eleven. Mm. Opens in 7-Eleven. That's a great joke. Yeah, I, I love that. The sign is spelled Roman numeral 7, Roman numeral 11. It's great. I mean, Roman numerals for 7-Eleven, that's funny enough. But then to say that it has been open since the year 7-Eleven, yeah. even funnier. Those aren't their hours. <laughs> and, and that was when they do their kind of Russian nesting doll of stealing because all he needs is to put it under his hat, but then she also puts Elfo under her shirt, which he certainly enjoys. He likes it. Yes. I also think Elfo, a couple times this episode, in the first episode, it's set up that Elfo is so light and also weak that he kind of can't do anything. But in this case, like he beats up that chicken. He also beats up a dude. Like he has kind of magical strength when Elfo needs it. Matt Groening would call that rubber band reality. Mm, it's a, it's uh, also yeah. a huge cheat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey, either way, it's, it's fine. Uh, and so while on this bender, Bean makes some new friends. We've heard about you. Word round the gutter is mm-hmm. you're a right proper villain. Of course, I'm not threatened by that. Women gotta support women. Crime is male-dominated, innit? If this world were run by women, there wouldn't be so much crime. So our crime, yeah, is one for the ages. A real legendary caper. We could use your help. Well, I'll have to confer with my associates first. Guys, do you think we should do this? I've never done anything bad before. I've never done anything good before. I want to be bad. I always admired Bad Elfo. Bad Elfo doesn't really exist. I would rather hang out with Bad Elfo. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell them yes. That was a yes, right? Yes. I I only got in trouble once, <laughs> and um, Daddy Elfo um slapped me on the bum bum. Uh, yeah, we're open to it. God, that scene where they're all talking inside of her shirt that that really feels like they're in the same room or they're improving or something. I just, especially the uh, the him talking about his dad spanking him. It, it yes. feels like he's 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 making it up as he's talking about. It. It's so funny. Yeah, it, it's like it, my that, dad, my dad, um, um, hit, spank my bottom. Yeah, they kept it. And well, I also don't think they'd write him to say bum 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 like, bum. It's it, but well, it, he would use a euphemism. Yeah, it, but it's so funny. Uh, and he's just pauses as he's making it up. It. it that does feel very 
made up for the time. And just that extra long pause is being just ignores what he just said. of like, okay. Yeah. And the, and the other line he says that I think is also could be ad-libbed is like, I've always admired B- Bad Elfo. Yeah. <laughs> bad Elfo doesn't exist. Bad Elfo doesn't exist. Uh, Eric Andre also, God, I just love him so much. If you folks haven't watched the Eric Andre show, you're missing, I'm sure you've seen the clips of it out there. These thieves, I love them so much and I hope they come back. They don't get killed in this episode and I think they're such a unique and great idea mm. and I don't think the joke is punching down or anything like that. No, they're, I, all, they're all so much fun. Yes, I, you're right, proper villain, okay? And one of the characters, their dad died in, in the Lemon Crusades, we yeah. learn later. I want to hear more about those Lemon Crusades. I I also like his, uh, the just huge dent in the head of the rich vulture one. It too. tells a story. Yeah, it's, I think those guys will be like, I think we've seen our new clamps in these oh, characters yeah. here. Yeah. I, I'm sorry if I constantly, this is its own show, but it's I, true. I am viewing it through the lens of Futurama because it's, it's so new. Most of the same people, though. Come on. Yeah, give me give me a break. I It's its own show. <laughs> so they're going to just steal some potatoes, and then Lucy makes it worse. <laughs> Again, by suggesting they rob the tomb of her family. Not even robbing the castle, Yeah, which would be... Conceivably easier, I guess. Yeah, I would think. Just open that door and walk on in. Instead, go into the tomb. And it's also where they set up again Dagmar and how much she misses her mom. But don't see Dagmar's corpse, though we don't not see it either. If if she is dead, she could be right off screen and she just didn't get to her mom's corpse. I think it's very telling that they don't show her, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is a statue of her that leads down into the tomb, but we don't actually see her. We see uh, the grandma. Yeah. But uh, I do like how when Bean is uh, stealing from the corpses of her relatives, she's like, it's like she's shopping. She's walking around with a basket, just (laughs) picking things up and putting them in the basket. Yeah. It's it's really cute. And uh, that also, the talking about the family that takes me back to when they show him looking at the when they show Zog looking at the portraits of the previous queens uh, and you see that his mother who we'll get to know more about in a second but Zog's mom has red hair like he does mm. and then Dagmar has white hair like Bean has and uh, that's in hair color in Game of Thrones with the ah, really? Zog character is actually very important for sh- trying to show who the parent of him is. It's actually what proves that Prince Joffrey isn't really Baratheon's son. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if the science really checks out on that, though. Uh, <laughs> look, if uh, I trust Recessive that Ned Stark genes. did all the right... Uh, okay. The, it, it had shown that in the Baratheon line, they had only had black hair, and then the first son, Joffrey... Had has blonde hair, then it proves he's not the father. Check his roots. <laughs> they don't have a uh, hair dye. I wonder, man, what is hair dye? That's another great gag. The wig scene gag in the first, in the second episode, you can see Fry's hair in that wig set. Oh, as really? Well. Okay, mm-hmm. damn. I didn't see that. Keep an eye out for it. There's tons of, just like Simpsons Futurama, they stick in a ton of gags in the margins there. Uh, but yes, it's time to steal from Biba. <laughs> oh, my sweet Biba. Remember when you used to sit me on your lap and tell me stories? Well, I'm in a gang now, and I gotta take your crown and and your necklace. And didn't you have a... Sometimes when you pull off your grandma's jaw, it really makes you stop and wonder. Am I doing the right... Come on! This is a burglary, not a family reunion! Okay, that's everything! Whoa! Think of how many potatoes we could get with this. All right, guys, if I spend any more time with my family, they'll start asking why I'm not married. So (laughs) you want to drop me that rope? 
know I would have done the same thing if you were a man. Now! <laughs> so, when are you getting married? <laughs> and we have to assume uh, the king got her out of there or some of the so guards. The guards found yeah. her in the morning, I'm guessing. Well, they didn't replace... You know, the the highway people are <laughs> nice in that they don't push back Dagmar's tomb covering. So someone in the morning must have noticed that it was open. Yeah, they are redeemable. And they're going to buy so many potatoes. <laughs> I love that. Egal- I love the egalitarian thieves. They're very much like, hey, we. it's all very inclusive. Now give me that stuff. I'm going <laughs> to steal from you or I'll kill you. <laughs> like, and, and also her saying like, oh, Bebop. Well, I'm in a gang now, and I need to steal your shit. <laughs> <laughs> and tries off her jaw. <laughs> Just rips it off. You you see a little bit that Bean knows it's wrong, but she's too. She's also too fucked up at all points in this. She's never sober for the like two days straight. And I can understand her being. We weren't we all impressionable teens who did things to impress people. I never joined a gang and no. uh, stole from corpses. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I? Didn't do that either. But so they get captured, and we get to see. This is actually when the first scene that was released in the trailers for it was Zog slowly looking up the body of the thief and just his Zog's inability to understand things as he stares at them is so funny and gets worse every time they do it. He's assessing her from the ground up like every element. It's like sh- shoes, legs. Yeah. In the in the first episode, there's the great thing. There's like, now let me look at this cake. Topper is fine yeah. as I move downward. I forgot that's sort of a running joke with him. Yes, like he can't yeah. see things like all at once. He's got to examine every element one at a time. And he has to announce what he thinks of them. And it's it's <laughs> such a great it's such a great way of doing jokes because you all know where this is going, where he's like, what the but they have to delay it yeah, as long as they can. It's a great, I mean, it is like t- so unrealistic and so stylized. No one would ever do this, but it's great to draw out the, you know, the the explosion you're, you're waiting yes, for. Yeah. Uh, but here, here's just how angry Zog is. I love this. I know I went a tad wild, but what, what do you expect from someone who's got no control over her own destiny? So I, I turned to booze, drugs, and my evil little friend. Oh my God, shut up. You're weird, cat. Mm-hmm. I'll pulverize him. I'll pat him in the wrong direction. I'll put a cucumber beside him. That drives them crazy. No, 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 no. Not him. I meant... She meant me. I'm so bad. Oh, I'm bad. No, you're not. You're a marshmallow with legs. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> well, I got into some shenanigans in my day, but my mom never lost her head. We recovered this. Oh, that's mom's head. Mom's head! (laughs) Your daughter was caught ransacking the royal tomb. You stole stuff from our dead family? Oh, I don't even know what to yell at you. You take it. Why you? I order. (laughs) If I weren't so fat, I... Shut up! She gets the point. Bean, go to your room while we decide what to do with you. And take Ofo, so I know you're not having any fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Lady Lingonberry is in the audience there. Yes. I think she's still wet. She's one of the nine victims of them, which yeah. I think in when I counted it, 
Two of those puppets have to count as the victims for it to be nine. Oh, okay, that's, wow. That's the count that as I take it. But his he even says a goddammit, which you can't do that on Fox. That's true. It's one of two goddammits I noticed in the first five. <laughs> and I love the very Marx Brothers-y, my mom would never lose her head. That's my mom's head. My mom's head! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. And, and also, he's like... He holds up the wanted poster that just has the slightest yes. strand of a mustache drawn, and he's like, "You can't tell me this is my daughter," <laughs> uh, and that he knows that Elfo. Everybody sees Lucy as a cat, which they have to do for, like, for plot purposes. Otherwise, they'd just be like, why is this demon always around you? We should get rid of it. And they accept very uh, readily that Lucy can talk. Yeah, like, oh, it's, like, it's your talking cat. Your ta- I mean, in the world of Dreamland, what is a talking cat, really? It's true, yeah. I think, you know, actually, I think that makes him kind of like Felix the cat a little bit. Mm. Uh, which, knowing how much Matt Groening loves oldie time cartoons and Felix, it, it, it could be intentional. Yeah, right? Bender's chest door is very much like Felix's bag of tricks. Exa- oh, it's my god! direct reference, I believe. Yes, you're right. And also... This is it's classic John DiMaggio just sounds of like that's another running joke in the series is that people tickle Elfo until he gets really offended yeah. by it. Yes, he's stop it. <laughs> he can't help it. And, but also that he knows that Elfo is no fun and that she hates being around him. So I wonder though how how did Bean officially get magically linked to Lucy? Was it by opening the gift that she receives in the I, first episode? I think so. I think so. So, yeah, there was no, like, oath or pact or anything. She just opens that package, and then they're paired together. But I think Lucy just like, no, you're stuck with me because yeah. I'm I'm here now. I'm l- I yeah. literally can't leave you. And I think it's good, too, that they set up that Bean enjoys the stuff that Lucy talks her into doing. It's not that she's forced to. It's that she's just easily suggestible. And I think any teenager with a demon on the shoulder saying, like, eh, come on do it mm-hmm. they, do it do it do it and then meanwhile elfo is just such a lamo who who loves licking rug fuzz off of lollipops yeah lucy sticks his lollipop to the ground and he goes back for more it's like oh this is actually pretty good <laughs> i love the king's line she's a one-man wrecking woman <laughs> yeah yeah and that's also in that we get to hear the eric andre eye patch guy saying yeah. like your real mistake your first mistake was teaching her like teaching her to read and this is when we get billy west entering the scene as the Merlin as such. Does he have a name, this character? I, that I one I remember. haven't caught. Yeah. I, but uh, I, I apologize, listeners. I don't know. But uh, but here's his voice. That don't exactly explain why she desecrated sacred remains. Don't worry, Ma. I won't let her get away with it. <laughs> oh, we can spout crazy theories all day, but science suggests a more logical explanation. That being is possessed by a demon. <laughs> Oh, no, they're on to us. They'll know exactly what we're up to. (laughs) You don't even know what we're up to. Oh, every day you say you'll tell me, and you never do. I wonder if they're going to use him to eventually explain what they're up to. It's like, okay, fine. You do need an idiot in the room to, uh, you know give exposition or actually to to absorb exposition yeah. in a future episode they he might say like you never tell me like okay here we're gonna tell you this is why we're doing this or he'll find out on his own and mm. we will absorb the information i think we're gonna learn a lot more about jerry here in the future <laughs> i and uh, the idea that it's it's so great that they they correctly guess that she is possessed but they cannot identify a demon when it's right in their face and it's just that billy west is really i'm sure it's it's like two different 
guys who have been dead for 80 years that I don't recognize he's doing the voice of, but it's a really good specific voice for Billy. It feels like kind I think it's like a combination of different old timey actors. Like it feels a little James Mason y yeah. like a little like a little touch of James Mason. Especially because like, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Goes about testing out uh, three different t- techniques on her. First smoke, then magnets, and then shaking. No deep could survive this preposterous degree of jiggling. <laughs> this is not good for my hangover. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. Crank harder. You got him on the run now. Woo! Work those scrawny nerd arms. Jiggle that demon back to hell. Noise! <laughs> oh, alas, the demon remains even after the application of all three sciences. All three? Even smoke? Indeed. <laughs> we scholars like to think science has all the answers, but in the end, it's just a bunch of unprovable nonsense. <laughs> so now what? I suggest something based more in reality. Religious magic. An exorcism, huh? Mm, I don't like the sound of that. Let's do it, but don't say it out loud again. <laughs> Two amazing jokes in that. So I got confirmation <laughs> from Bill Oakley that... The even smoke line was David X. Cohen. Uh, okay. Yes, I love, I love that. Even, even smoke. <laughs> he can't, he's so incredulous. The smoke. smoke didn't work. Uh, there's also a, a really, really great little line uh, delivered by Merlin. Ah, your talking cat's here to keep you company. Now let's find that demon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. And Lucy then says, "Meow." All right. Yeah. Like, and I like how uh, we, we just we just heard the uh, him sarcastically cheering uh, Merlin on. Yeah. I like how he eventually just gets tired of it. You could see his his eyes go half lidded, just like shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, it felt very Eric Andre to say noise, yeah, not nice, noise, noise. And her getting shaken about as she has a hangover. It's fun to see things happen to Bean that when bad things happen to her, it can be funny. And that and that line that I know you love is like, I don't like the sound of that. Let's do it, but don't say it out loud yes, again. <laughs> it's so, uh, it's such a great. I've never heard that joke before with that turn of phrase. Yeah, yeah. Every you've heard that in so much fiction of just like I don't like the sound of that, but let's do it instead. It's like he literally <laughs> he'll do it, but he doesn't want to hear the word exorcism. It's not even uh, an expression. He just doesn't like the sound <laughs> <Yes>. of it. <laughs> oh, that's another of my favorite Zog lines where he says like. He said he mentions a rodeo. He's like, "Do we have rodeos? What? What is this now?" <laughs> and is that like uh, he said? It's not my first rodeo. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a play on that too. It's yes. great. And uh, also in that, uh, as they're doing that, they're taking more blood from Elfo, which is them showing that even though you thought they finished the whole elf blood thing in the first episode, they're still taking his blood just slowly. It's funny that they still make him sit in a cage like he's yes. going to escape. He's happily. He's like, I got a cookie. Yep, but he has to be in a cage. Yeah. And he seems fine with it, Look too. at us down on the floor. <laughs> uh, so they call in Big Joe. Oh, this is all so great. So uh, before, Henry, you were telling me, and not to call you out or anything, oh. you were telling me you weren't completely sold on the animation this is what really mm-hmm. uh, made me buy into how good this show looks all of the big joe stuff is yeah. just glorious and beautiful and beautifully lit and the colors they choose are so wonderful like it is so nice looking i don't know how do you feel now it transforms into a horror uh, movie so easily and that kind of i agree with you bob it kind of shows the flexibility of the animation style and that it's not all like flat or anything i guess at first I was comparing it too directly to Simpsons or Futurama in that I, the characters seem lightlier detailed than mm. in Futurama or Simpsons. And you've got characters like Zog and 
Elfo and Lucy, who are just like very small, low on details compared to characters in Futurama. So it it made me think like, oh, is this on a lower budget or less detailed? And but then when you see the stuff they get, especially with Big Joe, he's teleporting around. Yeah, in the lightning. I mean that is when like in terms of animation, it's not like a lot of animation, but him just sort of teleporting closer to them with the lightning strikes <laughs> and then just appearing in front of them. It's uh, I get that a lot. <laughs> uh, I also wonder like. Is Big Joe is funny, but he's also kind of evil. Does him being sort of evil or at least like dogmatically righteous make actually the demons the good guys? Well, I mean, they they technically kill him, so yeah. there has to be some sort of justification there. So I think you're right. I wonder how they're going to get away with murdering Big Joe, by the way. If that should ever come back to haunt them when the equivalent of the Catholic Church in this world finds out <laughs> that the, the princess murdered him. I guess really Elfo is the, is the final killer of Big well, Joe. Well, I mean, we'll get to it, but Big Joe tr- does try to kill Bean. That's true. To find the demon, so he's a bad guy. What I also like with this bit here is that it shows the flexibility of this fantasy parody in that this also becomes an exorcist parody they're not too direct well a couple see parts a little bit direct but but again i mean they do a few of the i would call obvious jokes but they do new things with them they could mm-hmm. have done all of the exorcist stuff but they, they play with it in new ways yeah yeah and the and it also shows that in future episodes they could just do like more direct film parodies or tv parodies but then have it be through fantasy and it, it would totally work and uh but yes the exorcism begins as big joe arrives in the room fear not princess i will soon have the demon out of your body uh, nobody in this body but us princesses man oh wait uh, just one princess me princess dear oh god what's my full name <laughs> damn it i shall soon cast the out demon with these sacred tools you're a sacred tool <laughs> jokes are a sign of fear a fear that is well justified. Hold on. There's something I've always wanted to try. <laughs> so cool. I didn't even know that the human body could do this. It can't. <laughs> out. Get out. Be gone. Damn you. Ooh, sounds like some quality exorcism. I was talking to you. <laughs> Nobody talks to me like that. Except my daughter and my wife. And now you. <laughs> <laughs> Another great, oh, I love the king so much. So what I like, the joke idea is the arrival of the exorcist is what makes Bean get possessed because Lucy right. has to hide inside of her. So pre-exorcism, she's not possessed, but when mm-hmm. the guy shows up, he, she's like, oh shit, I got to get into Bean. She's, she's more like being suggested to by him all the time, but never officially possessed. And they only do it to hide. And it's not even by Lucy's choice. It's a yeah. magic spell done by his bosses it is interesting to see that lucy uh, is ultra confident throughout the entire series but this is something that actually makes him afraid this was the moment i finally this whole sequence here is when i finally really liked lucy and it's that little bit of like humanity or just the dropping of his harsh exterior that lets you in to like him that's what i really love about this part and same him afraid of the weirdo as mm. the, as his owners call him yeah and i really love in terms of animation the great pose that bean is in with lucy peeking out of her mouth yeah she looks like <laughs> some sort of weird muppet creature but yeah. it's a very funny drawing uh and her reaction to having her neck broken i <laughs> guess of the spinning head she bounced back from that yeah i also also, right before Big Joe comes in there, 
I this was the first time I noticed on this viewing that Lucy is sleeping like a cat on top oh, of right. the covers with him too. He's he is living the life of a cat as well. Mm-hmm. And uh and yeah, the way he screams at Zog of just his your, Zog in the first two episodes is almost too mean for you to really like him, but in this episode it's more like I love my daughter. I just don't understand her. And even you think he'd say like, "No one speaks to me like oh, except everybody." <laughs> I know, I except you, that you are. You uh, you feel more for him because he's shit on so much. But yeah. he is he is much more of a dick and a monster in the first two. Yeah, and also in the fifth episode too, when he throws her out, and his the bit with him putting chemicals in his ears to make steam come out it, of them. It reacting uh, far too late. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, but so Lucy is resistant to it and just kind of mocking him the whole time. But eventually he gets exercised in a uh, most unexpected way. Fire doesn't hurt demons. You're only hurting Bean. Exactly. Once the flesh is burned away, the demon is revealed. Flesh burn. Demon return. Dude, she needs her flesh. <laughs> Great. You're going to make me be the good guy? Ugh, I hate that. <laughs> I saved your life. Now I can go back to ruining it. Gotcha. Ah, you can't do this, man. I want my lawyer. Ah, I'm in here. Don't say anything. What? What happened? You have been exorcised. Don't forget to take it easy today and drink plenty of water. I love how all the demons look in the bottles. They're very fun designs mm-hmm. that, again, remind me a lot of macarating drawings. They've all been, like, liquefied. They, they, they're they kind of like liquid in there, but they also, uh, they remind me a lot of the Pac-Man flatness as well, mm. especially when they're talking and they, the uh, empty like, space in their mouths. Yeah, out of the side of their head, they're talking. It's mm. great. And I, so that's the moment there that you see that Lucy let Bean die and be burned to death by this person who doesn't care no he will not whether he's i feel that's a cover i think he's not allowed to let her die i think part of the rules of his thing are like look you can torture her but she can't die you have to prevent that if that happens i think they're also leaning towards lucy is actually starting to like have a friend Mm. too like bender his first friend ever of all my friends you're the first (laughs) and his uh, but he also has to make sure she doesn't think he's gone too soft and that the audience doesn't think he's gone too soft. So he says like, I'm only doing this so I can make your life worse. Yeah. That's why I'll save your life so I can ruin it. That's right. And so they're taken away and Elfo and Bean are getting used to their new Lucy free life. So is Lucy really gone? Well, it depends what you mean by gone. If you mean carted away, never to return, then yes. Well, maybe it was for the best. Life with him was fun, but I probably would have been dead in a few weeks. I will miss how he always pointed out my foibles and mocked me ruthlessly. (laughs) But we'll be okay. You'll be amazed how much fun I am on my own. (laughs) That's not a daisy. What? (laughs) You put a dandelion in the daisy basket. So? (laughs) So, we're making a daisy chain, not a dandelion chain. Why even bother to call it a daisy chain if you're just going (laughs) to... Oh, God. I'm so sorry. I lied. I'm not really fun. The pressure, it it just got to me. And then the pressure to sustain the lie. Oh, God, it was a nightmare. We have to find Lucy. (laughs) 
I like this perspective on Elfo in that he's also sort of a type A personality when mm-hmm. it comes down to it because he grew up in a very regimented society where everything was just this very clockwork you know, schedule yeah, of everything and happening. And they have very, you know, that, that world seems so nice, but they have very specific rules about everything. I mean, in in that elf world, if you ha- you're allowed to be weird if you're weirdo, but if you're elfo, you're not allowed to just make out with some girl or leave your job. You just box candy all day for candy. <laughs> That's your job. Yeah, same with like, the, you're so defined by your job, so it makes sense that he would passive-aggressively tell someone how to correctly make a daisy chain yeah. and what you need for that. Him just giving up, and it shows, too, that how without Lucy there, he, he would drive Bean crazy. Bean would murder him in a minute without Lucy there to counterbalance it. He Elfo also is not going to have a chance with Bean if he doesn't have Lucy around to help with that situation, as we'll see in later episodes too. Which I got to say again, when Elfo is a creep, it's not even him being a creep; it's that he's he's a total dick. That reminds me of like how young men react to crushes the wrong way, where he's just like, "Oh, hey, are you making out with this guy? Me? I'm going to fuck this up." Very possessive, very much. So. I don't know if you have this clip, but another one of my favorite King Zog lines is coming up. It's like, oh, oh, oh sweetie, I could see the sparkle in your eyes is gone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I don't have that clip. But that's okay. That it's another, like, again, I am. you're going to hear this a lot when I talk about the series, but I love just the sharp linguistic turns yes, that yeah. they write in these actors deliver so perfectly. You're like, what? Oh, okay. Wow. That was great. Uh, and they're right in the foreground is what I'm assuming is Bean's brother, and I wonder when we're really going to get to know this yeah. guy. He's right there. I mean, uh, pardon my foggy memory, but do we see any other shots of him? He's, I, he's like, yes, I think in the fifth episode when Zog is sitting with Reptilicus watching over the execution, he's sitting there too, but to my knowledge, he doesn't say any lines. Okay, yeah. He's also eating a giant pile of pancakes too, <laughs> which, uh, hey, man after my own heart there. We will find out or we will already have found out. <laughs> uh, but so I think it's telling that Bean is making these good decisions when Lucy isn't there. Mm. That's when she decides to do the right thing and help her friend and actually also fight against the highwaymen that's be maybe it's because lucy's not there to influence her i'm going to assume that if elfo was taken away lucy would be like don't rescue that dork absolutely not he's no fun yeah. <laughs> he would he'd be like no let's just keep stealing stuff or drinking let's keep doing that meanwhile lucy is hanging out with some other demons it's our first time we've met other demons in the show so there i am possessing the duchess and she has the nerve to drop dead. And I'm like, now where am I going to live? Rude. Uh, well, if it isn't Stacy Ann LeBlanc. It's LeBlanc. Yeah, it's French. Like I said on our first date, nothing could be worse than this. I really enjoy that the demons are all of this 2D flat black creature design yeah they're, they they're all of that model it's not that there maybe there are different types of demons in hell but it seems like they're you're only a flat pitch black demon if you're in hell and i'd love to that the all of the little clothing accessories given to a couple like stacy has a, a miss pac-man bow that's and the lawyer uh, has a tie that's really like one of the few uh, ways you could tell a cartoon's gender yep yeah <laughs> a bow and eyelashes <laughs> that's that's how it's presented man it's uh and and uh that that's when bean decides to go on the road and save him and I wonder if it's foreshadowing when she says they're probably going to try to kill you at some point too. He's like, mm. "What?" She's like, "Never mind." As they get on horses and ride on their way to the mountain, they run into some old friends. Yay! <laughs> Look what we caught in our little trap. What now? Your highwaymen? Highway people. 
We're a gender-neutral kleptocracy. And we'll be taking these nice horses. They go well with me neck sparklies. Hey, that's my grandmother's necklace. Or your grandfather's. This isn't a gender thing. It's Bebaz, and I am taking it back. <laughs> <laughs> Of punches. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm normally a nice person, but we really need to save our friend. And we're in kind of a hurry, so. I really enjoy how the one highway person is trying to make this into a bigger philosophical argument, but she's yeah. like, no, that's literally my grandma's. Yeah, it's not, I'm not saying it's, this is not a gender thing. That is my grandmother's, please. And I was glad they didn't die because I really, I hope these guys come back. They're funny as hell. Yeah, it, it would just be too wasteful to kill them off. I feel like they'll be, I feel like we haven't seen the last of these guys. Even this season, we haven't seen the last of them. And even though they're gender neutral, the, I guess, woman of the group, if that's mm. what she identifies as, I don't know. She's got a real Leela style bracelet on, I yeah, noticed. Yeah, that's true. It's also, this has more action than uh, than I expected in, in general in the show. There's at least one big fight per episode. And that begins with Bean is introduced in a giant fight scene at a bar, in a barroom brawl. Mm-hmm. Just so you know that she, she can hold her own in a fight, even against a, uh, a guy as scary as Big Joe. This is like so unfair. I never got to haunt a house or spook a dog or get married or... Please put me out of my misery. Prepare to be put out of your misery. No! (laughs) Angulus Domine Persequence Eos! I possessed your mother and she loved it. You just killed my lawyer. You won't be needing uh-huh. him anymore. Your appeal has been denied. Wait, 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 wait. I love you? Big Joe, I love you. <laughs> Cursed are those who consort with demons. Bean saves Lucy and risks her own life to do that, too. I'm also thinking of the demon science. So fire can't kill demons because Mm. we see Lucy literally sleeping in a fire. But this lava can? What's going on here? Well, this is Mount Piping Hot Suckhole. And uh, it could be a Lord of the Rings reference. Oh, yeah. That Mount Doom... Can d- is a special lava mountain that can uh, kill magical oh, things. Oh, it's a real special mountain. Way to go, Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they get to come up with a better joke than piping hot suckhole. I don't know. There's... I have Mount Flaming Suckhole on my, oh, uh, maybe that's on my okay. notes. Flaming, right. flaming Suckhole. Okay. It's just fun to say. But again, in terms of animation, uh, the lighting in this show is just so well observed and mm. so just, just, it just feels so like glowing and warm and rich. And especially in all these scenes where they're all lit with lava by the yeah. lava. It's so great. Yeah, and the uh, and the the little poof that the dead demon gives is pretty fun too. Uh, oh, and I I think too it's really good um, book ending of plots in this episode that. Before she can save Lucy, Bean has to defeat the highway people that she had originally befriended. She needs to get revenge on them first. 
Which I really like. Yeah, and I'm trying to think, though, uh, this is a 28-minute episode. If this were a 21-minute TV show, like, what would we lose from this? Yeah. They could cut out the entire highway people scene. They could mm. cut out so much, but we get all these extra great jokes because they can go up to 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they are considering if it could be broadcast, if they could cut it down or not. Oh, God, uh, I, I hope not. No, it, it, that's the great thing about Netflix and other streaming services that... The show's as long as it needs to be. Like, Simpsons very specifically has to be like, no, 22 minutes and 30 seconds, and then shorter as they need more commercials in Mm -hmm. the future. That's why you end up with shitty, my hated syndicated episodes Uh of The Simpsons. They're a stain on this earth. But I also have to say that, so before we observe, there's a direct Exorcist parody. Coming up, there's a direct Raiders of the Lost Ark parody. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned that they can only really reference the monoculture because culture is so fragmented now. And I I like how they are not going again. They're not going for the obvious stuff. This is not just a re- like reference in the past sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They are they are trying to not be as reliant on this as other, many other series would. Be. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that that comes at the end of this confrontation here. It's all over, Big Joe. I got the <laughs> bottle and the knife. Well, I got whatever this is. Elf. <gasps> throw me the bottle. I'll throw you the elf. Thank you. Okay. Catch. Oh, you haven't defeated me yet. Now you have. <laughs> she risked her own life to save the demon. Remarkable. She's come along faster than we ever dared dream. So I, I put in that bit there of uh, the demon masters because they have kind of a like a parental vibe to them i mean are mm. they it makes me wonder are they what their intentions are are they doing this to corrupt bean or are they training her in something and does this have anything to do with bean's mom we don't mm. know again uh in the comments people we have not seen the rest of the show yes, so uh yeah. i realize that we're probably going to find out uh, come maybe, friday come maybe. friday maybe they can be saving it for season two you never yeah, know it's true <laughs> and arms getting cut off amputations happened quite a lot in Futurama so continue that here and they're and, always so cl- so clean and bloodless yes yeah it's uh, it's not as funny if a bunch of blood glushes, gushes out or if Big Joe were to just scream in pain and you do get to see that Big Joe is definitely a villain of like not only that he would have killed Bean to get the Lu- Lucy out of her but that also he's just like if you're consorting with the devil I should kill you like so I'm yeah. gonna murder you right here I like how Elfo kills him with his own arm yes, he, yeah. the arm that gets knocked off or sliced off rather and then Elfo carries the arm with him <laughs> Elfo and Bean kill a lot more people than Lucy does that's like, true he, he's not he, he's not an active participant really in most things but Lucy is the catalyst for all the killing very much he gets so, them into yeah. these situations yeah and that includes killing people to free free him he gets freed and he's not the only one mm-hmm. no 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 just pull out the cork ow <laughs> Ta-da! Did you miss me? Yes, but never fly into my mouth again. Hey, what's that roly wagony sound? (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least we saved Lucy. But we released evil upon the world. A happy ending for everyone. 
And I assume we'll see more of the payoff to this mm. in future episodes. What if there's tons of people possessed by demons and that all around Dreamland? With the with how the episodes sometimes hook up to each other, I was surprised the next episode wasn't about the demon aftermath. Yeah, that's true. Because four goes right into five, but uh, not so much here. I but I still love the the free. It it also shows that no good deed goes unpunished in the world of Matt Groening's uh, morality. Really, and it is sort of smart plotting to set this up because Elfo removes the stone to smash the jar open, mm-hmm. and that the stone is what's holding the wagon in place on the side of the mountain. Only Elfo would be stupid enough to remove the rolling so, <laughs> and not know what a wagon was, or that that was a break for the wagon, or that he could just pour the, pull the cork out of the bottle yes. too. And even as Lucy's screaming, he's like. They still don't stop today. They're like, no, we're dropping this lock <laughs> on you. Well, because Lucy can't, Lucy takes no physical damage normally. So he just goes, ow. Yeah. And then he sort of just reforms around it. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a cute little line. I, animation wise, I love that it's a zoom in to one of the demon tails to just go to black. Yeah, it's great. It's really good. Yes. Yeah, so disenchantments, C minus. Try harder <laughs> next time. No, of course, we love this show. Yeah. It's great. I'm, I, I uh, I thought I was like, oh, yeah, I'm into the show when I watched the first five. Revisiting this and taking notes and just really digging into all the jokes and everything. I'm like, oh, I am so into this. And I hope the next five that we haven't seen as of this recording are going to be just as good as three, four, and five. And maybe, maybe two. And then a second season, even better than that. Yeah. I, you know... As Futurama, The Critic, Simpsons, all these shows have taught us, the first season is like, if the first season is good, then the rest of the show seasons are even better. And so when you start off this well with characters and situations and a staff that is fresh to you or relatively fresh, uh, then as you get more into your groove and figure things out, it only gets better. So if this is the third episode and it's this good, I really have high hopes for where the show is going as well. And I have to say it was a really bold choice of them to put our email address in the middle of the screen for the entire episode. <laughs> I mean, that's great promotion and we yeah. barely know these guys. I'm I, kidding. I'm kidding. That those are on our screener, so in case we leak it to somebody, mm-hmm. our our fingerprints are all over it. Yeah, so we didn't leak it. If it got out there, you'll know the you'll know who it is from the email address. It won't be ours. Seriously, folks. <laughs> I I thank I thank Netflix very much for giving sharing us the media shit for it. It was really cool. I hope we can work more together in the future. Yeah, and I, I got some Netflix T-shirts mm-hmm, out of the deal in <laughs> a Netflix bag. I you know don't want to make any promises on here, but we've already interviewed some folks who worked on Disenchantment. Before it came out, when they couldn't really tell us anything, now the information is out there. I hope that we can interview people who worked on the show and to really get a feel of what happened in the writer's room and the sources behind jokes in this. I would I would love to know. It's funny when Bill Oakley was sort of hinting at this and saying, uh, the big thing is coming, guys. And then immediately, I don't know, a week or two later, they announced the Futurama uh, iOS game or yeah. the mobile game. I was like, oh, is that, was that it? I mean, I'm sure it's fine, but I'll never play it. Is that what he was hinting at? But it wasn't. It was this. And well, I-, I thought it was that too because there was so much original animation for the ads for that that game that I figured, oh, maybe they got David X and those guys to help write it. That's obviously they wouldn't be making a new television show. Nobody gets to make television shows anymore, <laughs> especially not my favorite writers like Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. I assume that whoever made that game saw that tapped out money on the table and was like, oh, give yeah. me some of that tapped out money. Mm-hmm. Oh, that game is it's not even a game. It sucks no. so much. People ask me about it. I'm like, no, it's awful. It's Yuck. a money pit. Is it's what it uh, is. a fish tank that you feed to see references. You mm-hmm. can just watch whenever you want normally. I like I've never played it. I don't intend to. I've already wasted 
enough money on Clash of Clans, which I know is garbage and I shouldn't be playing, but it fucking got me. It's Sunk cost fallacy. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> That's how I live my life. But thanks for listening, folks. This has been What a Cartoon. I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. And in case you didn't know, this entire podcast is crowdfunded by listeners like you. So if you go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons, you can find out how to help our show. At the $5 level, it's a very popular level. We have so much bonus content that is exclusive to patrons only. It will never be free. Never, I say. So including Talking Critic, Talking Futurama, so many interviews with Simpsons writers and artists, and monthly community podcasts. Just so much bonus stuff happening at the $5 level. If you sign up now, there will be, I don't know, maybe dozens of things you've never heard before. (laughs) And if you sign up, you'll get a nice little code. You drop that into whatever you use to listen to podcasts, and you can integrate our bonus podcast into your podcast listening lifestyle. It's that easy. It's patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And if you can't afford five bucks a month, even a dollar a month would be a nice little tip to say thank you for producing quality audio content. Henry, could you please tell folks out there, what are two really cool things on the Patreon that are new? They should check out if they want to give at the $5 level. Well, Dan McGrath, who worked on Mission Hill with Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, as well as The Simpsons, and he also worked on King of the Hill, he did an interview with us, and he doesn't do many interviews, and he told us a ton about his time of working on The Simpsons and all those other shows. Plus, if you guys want to go back into the interview archives of the over a dozen interviews we have available on the Patreon, if you listen to the Bill Oakley one and the Reed Harrison one, that was during production on this show. <laughs> Listen to all these subliminal hints Bill is giving us. They're peppered all throughout. Find all the clues. He said on that one, he's like, I have never been as, sec- as kept to secrecy as much on something as Netflix has kept me on this. <laughs> and it worked. There were no leaks. Yep, Not, there weren't. Yeah, we never saw art until the official art leaks. So way to go, guys. Keeping it secret. But yes, that is patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Uh, please check it out and help us out if you can. And uh, as for me, I'm Bob Mackey. I said that before, but I just want to let you know again, I'm Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. I have another podcast, by the way. I have so many podcasts. One of them is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast. Every Monday, go to retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. It's a classic gaming podcast. We've been doing hundreds and hundreds of episodes over the past 12 years. I recommend you find a topic that you like, download the corresponding podcast, and then subscribe. For the love of God, subscribe. (laughs) Smash that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening, folks. Henry. H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. You can follow me there and find out when every new thing goes up in the Talking Simpsons universe. Plus, sometimes I have fun exchanges with folks like Josh Weinstein and Bill Oakley on Twitter. So check all of that out there. H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thank you so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next week for the Spider-Man the Animated Series episode, The Menace of Mysterio. We'll see you then. You know you enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, but it's got to stop. What? Uh Uh-uh. I'm your demon, baby. We're magically linked like lollipops and rug fuzz. It's fine. Listen, just stay away from me for a while, okay? Go ruin someone else's life. Huh, okay. Maybe I will. Ow! (laughs) Now I feel better.